This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington. That's uh, the name of the show. Walker Wildman here. Glad to be with you. Impeachment and the Syrian conflict. Those are the two topics we're going to talk about on the show today. Impeachment happening in Washington, D.C., and the conflict in Syria slash Turkey. Those are the two topics we're going to talk about today. Glad to have you on the show. As the announcer mentioned, Exposing Washington is the name of the show. My name is Walker Wildman, and you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. To start off the show, I want to mention a few ways to uh, keep up with the show. You can always visit our website, AFR.net, AFR.net. You can also download the app on your phone, on your tablet device. We even have an app for Roku devices, for all Apple devices, uh, and uh, Amazon Alexa. You can download the skill there, the AFR skill. So various ways to keep up with AFR, and that's a good thing various ways to keep up with AFR and all of our uh, resources that we offer all of our apps are free you just have to download them so go check out the American Family Radio app or you can visit our website AFR.net lastly you can find me on social media I'm on Twitter at Walker Wildman on Twitter or check out the show page on YouTube Exposing Washington on YouTube is the channel the Later in the show, we'll talk about pretty extensively about what's going on in Turkey, on the Turkey, um, and on the Turkish border, on the border of Turkey, and the border of Syria. We'll talk about that. Those two uh, countries border each other. You know, there's been this big um, controversy, if you will, if that's what you want to call it, or conflict about whether or not President Trump should have withdrawn some of the troops from Syria. And the interesting thing is, and I'll kind of tease this and then we'll talk about it more later, but you're going to be surprised at how many troops President Trump withdrew from Syria. You're going to be surprised because many people... Uh, think it was in the thousands, but it wasn't. It wasn't in the thousands. It was well below that, but we'll talk more about that later in the show, so just stay tuned. We'll talk about that later, but right now I want to talk about impeachment because Nancy Pelosi, the Democrats, they're doing this this so-called impeachment inquiry. That's what they're calling it. But as a matter of fact, There's been no formal impeachment process started or initiated. It's it's been all talk, no action. And I know that doesn't surprise us about Washington, D.C. 
All talk, no action. But I will say the Democrats are moving forward with this informal impeachment inquiry. They are actually doing some stuff, but it's largely behind closed doors. We had a story this past week on American Family Radio on today's issues where we talked about the uh, representative Matt Gates out of Florida tried to go in a uh, a hearing or a, uh, a an interview with congressional leaders of a committee who he's a member of the committee and Adam Schiff told him he had to leave. Only Democrat members were allowed in this meeting. So it's a very secretive process that they have going on now in Washington when it comes to this impeachment inquiry. And that's um, not, it's not, that's not historically how impeachment has played out. Typically impeachment, and then it happened, hasn't happened often in our country's history, but typically impeachment uh, plays itself out in the public. I mean, everything's public. Everybody knows what's going on and the, the media is covering it. But this process has been very, very low key or uh, secretive. And, I think uh, that that's strategic. I think it's strategic on behalf of the Democrats. And I actually think it's pretty crafty, pretty smart, because uh, they're pretty much immune to criticism if they keep everything secret. If they keep their processes and all of their corruption secret or secretive throughout the process, that immune, uh, uh, keeps them immune from uh, most criticism that would typically occur when you have a public impeachment process but that's not the case the uh nancy pelosi said this past week that they're not going to have an impeachment vote anytime soon i don't know whether that tells me that they just don't want to do it or there's members that they just can't get to vote for impeachment i think it's the latter i don't think the democrats have the votes for impeachment i think they're close but the reality is there is many, probably over a dozen or maybe a little less, congressmen from districts. These are Democrat congressmen from districts that President Trump won in 2016, that President Trump won in 2016. And so they don't want to vote for impeachment. That, that's a sure way for them to lose their re-election bid in 2020. That's a sure way for Democrats and Trump districts to lose their re-election bid in 2020. Not to mention, and I cannot emphasize this enough, and it's it would be unfair to talk about this entire impeachment conversation without reminding you that there is no legal constitutional factual basis for impeachment at this point the constitution says two things about impeachment high crimes or misdemeanors yes that's vague i know it's vague the founders probably intentionally left it vague because they wanted uh you rather leave it a little vague than, than than be too specific and narrow it down but President Trump has not committed a high crime 
which would be like a felony or treasonous behavior, a, a high crime or misdemeanor. And no one is even claiming that he has. And so from a constitutional standpoint, impeachment is nowhere to be found here. But as we know, political parties can impeach just because they don't like. And as we know, Democrats don't care about the Constitution. That's not breaking news. I would like to play clip one. This is Nancy Pelosi at a press conference this past week. And ironically, she is going on and on about how we don't need foreign governments meddling in U.S. elections. Listen to this irony. Clip one. Recognition that our founders had very deep suspicion about foreigners interfering in our government and as again in our elections and the emoluments clause was there put there specifically for that purpose to protect us from any influence of foreign governments so the fact that we would be here in, in an inquiry uh, that relates to the president asking a foreign government uh, to help the president in his re-election by withholding, granting or withholding the timing of military assistance that had been voted on by the Congress is just a, a, has so many violations in it. It undermines our national security. We were sending that of, uh, military assistance uh, because of uh, Ukraine needing that vis-a-vis Russia. All roads seem to lead to Putin with the president, though. Isn't it so? And then when we talk about uh, viol- uh, undermining the integrity of our elections, that's wrong. And when you're talking about violating the president's oath of office to protect, defend, and preserve the Constitution of the United States to the best of his ability. That's the presidential To the best of his ability. Well, there you have it. Nancy Pelosi talking about how we just got to we just got to make sure we're not letting foreign not letting foreign governments meddle in our elections how we're upholding and defending the constitution how we're how we need to defend our NATO ally Ukraine all the while well rather not all the while but flashback president obama's administration it was President Obama, who told Vladimir Putin, the great Satan, as the Democrats think he is, which I don't even know, I don't even care about Vladimir Putin, but this this idea that President Trump and Vladimir Putin are like buddies? Are you kidding me? It was President Obama running for re-election in 2012 who told the chief diplomat in and uh, for for Russia, he's told him at a meeting he's he off. It was supposed to be off mic, but it was actually hot mic. And he said, he said, hey, hey, tell Vladimir that I'll be more I'll be more flexible after the election. That's what President Obama said. And then you have Hillary Clinton, Secretary of State, goes over and does this Russian reset with this plastic red button, <laughs> this plastic red button, and she's got Vladimir Putin here, and they're they're pushing the button. I think she ended up dropping it, but. It was, it was a total joke, but it was the Obama administration that was cozy with Putin. It was the Democrats who've historically been cozy with Russia 
Remember, remember Russia invaded Ukraine? I think it was the Crimea Peninsula. Uh, Russia invaded, I may be wrong on my location there, but Russia invaded a portion of Ukraine during the Obama administration, and Obama did nothing. He did nothing. And so it's not that, that I think he should have done something, because I don't think we need to be meddling around. Like Just like I say, I think we need to get out of the Middle East. I don't think we need to be... Uh, uh, Ukraine can defend itself, I guess is what I'm saying. But this whole idea, this narrative that, that, that the Trump administration is sold out to Russia is a joke. It's laughable. President Trump has arguably been the toughest president against Russia in decades. In decades. And here Nancy Pelosi is talking about how bad Putin is and how Putin and Donald Trump are best friends. Blah, blah, blah. But the point I want to end on there is, as I've mentioned before, Democrats are very good at projecting onto others the exact thing that they're guilty of. And this is a prime example. It's the Democrats who have been cozy with Russia and Putin. But she's claiming that Donald Trump is. She's claiming that Donald Trump is. And let's just flash back to the Clinton days, not the Clinton days in the White House, but Hillary Clinton's secretary of state under President Obama. When Bill Clinton, the former president, is getting a whopping $500,000 speaking engagement from who? Russia. Russia. President Bill Clinton, well, the former President Bill Clinton, while his wife is Secretary of State, Bill Clinton flies over to Moscow and rakes in $500,000 for like a 30-minute speaking uh, uh, speaking engagement. may have been an hour. But Donald Trump's the one who's colluding with Russia. It's absolutely a joke, absolutely laughable. Democrats are the ones who are cozy with our adversaries. President Obama sends a plane full of cash to Iran as ransom money for getting American citizens back. Remember that? And then they claim it's some kind of payoff for the Iran nuclear deal, which was also horrendous. It's the Democrats who are cozy with our foreign adversaries, not President Trump. On the impeachment topic that we were talking about earlier, the let's just assume the House passes impeachment, a impeachment resolution, then it would then go over to the Senate, and the Senate would likely have to bring it up, and... You know, I don't think it'll pass the Senate, but let me just warn you folks that there's some Republicans in the Senate that don't like President Trump. Mitt Romney, for one, and then there's a few others. But we really need to keep an eye on this because right now I don't think President Trump will be actually found guilty, actually impeached formally, but... It could get a, a fair shake in the Senate if you have a couple Republican senators who fall in line with the Democrats. I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. Probably not going to happen. 
because there's no constitutional basis for it, but it's something to keep an eye on. The next topic I want to move on to is this uh, conflict in Turkey, this conflict in Syria. And I want to set this up a little bit. And I'm going to let I'm going to let Hogan Gidley set this up. This is clip four. He's going to do it better than me. But basically, listen to Hogan Gidley. Uh, This is a spokesperson for the White House. And Hogan Gidley here, the spokesperson for the White House, is going to set up the context of President Trump withdrawing the troops from Syria. He's setting up the why President Trump decided to do this. Clip four. Let's listen. Okay, on the green light here, if you take a thousand U.S. troops out of northeastern Syria, that clearly has given a lot of people the impression that that is the green light that Erdogan needed, because that buffer area is now removed of U.S. forces from the area. Can't you see how that impression would be, would be given in this operation? Well, yeah, if that were the truth, but that's not the truth. The fact is, we were told by President Erdogan he was going to move on the Kurds. Turkey is a NATO ally. We also have allies in the Kurds. But let's be clear about what happened here. The president was faced with a serious choice, and these are the decisions that this man has to make every day. With 26, 28 troops standing between Turkey and advancing force into Syria to attack the Kurds, if Donald Trump had not made the decision to pull those people out of harm's way, out of the crossfire, and those 28 people had died, we'd be having a conversation that Donald Trump made a horrific decision when Erdogan warned him he was going in and 28 people are now dead. The fact is the Democrats in this instance only want to attack the president because his name is Donald Trump. If this were any other president, President Smith, they'd be praising it as protecting the American soldiers in harm's way. And let's be clear, this attack was going to happen. Donald Trump made the prudent decision based on the information given by his generals and experts in the Middle East to get those people out of the way to protect their lives. He did that, and they will live to fight another day. Well, there you have it. That's uh, Hogan Gidley from the White House. And he makes a, some, a couple very good, very important notes there. Very important statements. The first one being that the president of Turkey, Erdogan, warned President Trump, I'm summarizing here, but he said, hey, basically, hey, we're going into Syria. And there's 26 U.S. special forces in between me. I'm speaking as if I'm Erdogan, the Turkish president. There's 26 special forces between me and the Kurds, our enemies. And so, President Trump, you can, I'm warning you that if you don't get your special forces out of the way, then they could get mixed up in this crossfire, which would be bad news for everyone. President Trump considered that, considered the risk, and he removed, he extracted... Not a thousand, not two thousand, not five hundred. He extracted twenty six between twenty six and twenty eight U.S. special forces troops from a portion from a town in Syria. But if you watch the news, you would think that President Trump just brought in big cargo planes and just just flew all of our troops out of Syria. Open it up to Turkey and ISIS. But that's, that's not the case at all. We're talking about 26 U.S. Special Forces troops. 
that were extracted out of a war zone between Turkey and the Kurds and ISIS. Our own Brian Fisher, who's host of Focal Point on AFR, has a great article out there, and I'll post it on the podcast page. You can check out our podcast at AFR.net. Click on the podcast link, and then my uh, show is called Exposing Washington. I'll post a link to this article, this blog, on our podcast page. But Brian Fisher wrote a great article about why President Trump was correct to pull our troops out of Syria. And one of the one of the core arguments that Brian has that I agree with is that these these Islamic tribal wars have been going on for centuries. These tribal wars between the Kurds and the Turks and all these different um, the Sunnis and the Shiites and all these different Muslim and Islamic uh, tribal wars. Many of them are terrorist groups. These have been going on for centuries. And, and the U.S. is naive to think that we're going to change the Middle East. We're going to change hearts and minds in the Middle East and create democracy like America. Who are we kidding? These people have been fighting each other, killing each other, blowing each other up forever. And to think that we're going to send U.S. troops in there and we're going to do regime change and it's going to turn into this glorious democracy, this bastion of peace and liberty. Who are we kidding? These people are ruthless. They're lost. They have no idea what they're doing. And there's this nasty tribal warfare that goes on over there that we're not going to fix. And it's honestly, now I'm talking, I'm giving you my opinion now. I've moved off of Brian's article, but I'm giving you my opinion. Why is it America's responsibility? And this is what, Pres- this is what President Trump, this is how he thinks. I'm telling you how he thinks. Why is it, why should we shed American blood? Why should our friends, our neighbors, our sons, our daughters, why should we send them over to some far-off land, some desert land, so they can play policeman with all these Islamic radicals? That's basically what they're doing over there. Not to mention, America has been arming terrorist groups for a while now. What do I mean by that? We've been giving... What we've been doing over there, generally speaking, is whatever regime or leader we want to take out, we give ammunition and weapons to the to the opposing party so that they can take out the leader. Not to mention, or, or all the while, the people we give weapons to, they're terrorists. They hate America. They hate the West. So we need to get out of the Middle East. If we want to, as I've always said this, if we want to do military camp, short-term military raids, military campaigns into Syria, into Iraq, into Afghanistan, et cetera, et cetera, then we can do that. But we can do it from an operating base in Israel, in Kuwait, in Saudi Arabia, in UAE, the United Arab Emirates, all these actual allies that we have over there, we can launch all kinds of bombs and military operations 
from those locations. But this whole idea that we have to have a thousand, two thousand men and women of the U.S. military walk in the streets of Syria being policemen? That's ridiculous. And as I said last week, and I'll move on from this, I'm, I'm ranting now. As I said last week, we have to every year, every time we do something over there, or really every time we do something anywhere across the world, we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing here? What's the main purpose here? What's the objective? What's the goal? Where are we going? And when you ask that question to anyone about the Middle East, nobody has a good answer. The, the, even, the, the answer that has the most validity is that we're there to protect, I don't know what. I don't know what, maybe we're, we're there to protect Israel, which I think is a good idea. But beyond that, there's just not much good that's going to come from eternal involvement in the Middle East when it comes to military. Exposing Washington on American Family Radio. I want to play one more clip here. This is clip three, uh, General Jack Keane on Fox News about how President Trump got Turkey to agree to a ceasefire. Clip three. This is really Erdogan's concern about the sanctions. Uh, the president heard that in his voice when Erdogan called him on Tuesday, and the president was very emphatic. Uh, I'm going to impose these sanctions unless to abide by a ceasefire. He said, we can achieve the same buffer zone using diplomacy, what we were trying to do in the first case, you know, before you introduced all this violence. So that is why we have the ceasefire and why we have the withdrawal and why we're finally going to get a, a buffer zone without any additional killing. Well, there you have it. That's General Jack Keane, Keane retired General Jack Keane on Fox News. They're talking about, about the news that I haven't mentioned yet that President Trump, Vice President Pence, actually it was Vice President Pence and the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, they flew over to Turkey a couple days ago, met with Erdogan, the Turkish president, and they agreed to a ceasefire, a five-day ceasefire. And how did they do that? Because President Trump threatened sanctions against Turkey. President Trump threatened sanctions against Turkey if Turkey were to keep killing Kurds and invading Syria then President Trump was going to put some pretty tough sanctions on the Turkish economy and the Turkish economy is actually pretty vulnerable to sanctions because despite them being closer to the Middle East they do a lot of trading they're a more civilized a more stable country, if you will, compared to Syria and some of the others. Exposing Washington on American Family Radio. Check out our website, AFR.net. Download the American Family Radio app on your phone, on your tablet device. We'll see you next week on Exposing Washington.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.